if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock as we continue into hour number two now on AM 1420. The answer. It is a Tuesday, the 21st morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thank you so much for being with us. Breaking news. I told you last hour as I spoke with Jim Renacy that FBI agents were at uh, Ohio House Speaker Larry Holder's farm uh, or farmhouse. Uh, we did learn that it was part of an investigation into a $60 million bribery case. I can now tell you the update to that is Speaker Householder has been arrested, along with four others. Sources say um, that, let's see, a spokesman for DeVillers said an Ohio official and associates were charged in the case described as a public corruption racketeering conspiracy involving $60 million. That's that's all I can tell you at this point. U.S. Attorney David DeVillers' office will hold a press conference at 2.30 p.m. to explain more details on the case. So that's all I can tell you about that. But he has been arrested, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, reporting from sources inside the FBI. All right, joining us now for analysis of that and a ton of other things is Peter Kersenow. It is uh, Kersenow Tuesday. You know what that means. Our friend from the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, as uh, well as a columnist for the National Review. Peter, good to have you back. How are you, sir? You know, I could be better, Bob. Um, I'm concerned about the direction of the country. We've been talking about that for quite some time. Um, What bothers me is that a lot of us are being silenced. A lot of people, understandably, are keeping their heads down, are not pushing back against the lunacy and the danger that we're seeing. And uh, I have a, a new Kirstenau report that says that, and I'll be publishing something on NRO probably about it too, that it's important now, despite the fact that, you know, there's a risk because a lot of people can be canceled. A lot of people can lose their jobs uh, for speaking out, even just speaking the truth, correcting the record, but it's imperative that we do it. We've got to do it now. We have to push back against the false narrative. We're at a bizarre time where most of the media is actually peddling lies. It's, you know, when you say those kinds of things, if you had said that 10 years ago, they'd be fitting you with a tinfoil hat. 
Now, in fact, that's precisely what they're doing, and I usually am very reserved about making blanket statements like that, but uh, at this point, it's just so manifestly plain and so dangerous to the republic that we have to call it out every single chance we get. It's becoming extremely dangerous on a host of levels. Many of our major institutions are failing us. Many of our leaders are failing us. It's up to us to speak back and correct the record, speak the truth, and prevent this descent into lunacy and anarchy. You know, that's, uh, you're right. It is up to us. And, 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 you know, I, a lot of people will say to you, Pete, okay, it's up to me. I'm game. I'm willing to do what's necessary. What can I do? And, you know, the, the simple answer and the most obvious answer in any time we, we are confronted with circumstances that, that may threaten one element of our society. But in this case, I think you're right. It's our entire society. I think it's the entire constitutional republic. But that is, we have to vote. Um, the idea of, of a Joe Biden presidency, Coupled with a Democrat-run Senate, and I do think they will go hand-in-hand. If they win one, they will win both. It's terrifying to me. Uh, and I'll, and I'll, I'll take you to the story that I started the show with, Pete. You know, I know you've been following it as well. The story of Mark and Patricia McCloskey, two homeowners in St. Louis living in a private gated community whose gate was broken down, an iron gate was broken down by a mob of protesters and demonstrators and potentially dangerous people who threatened to kill them. They called police. Police could not come or would not come because they knew this was was coming. Uh, and so they went and they deterred any crime from taking place by brandishing their weapons in the front of their uh, in the front of their home. Now, a radical racist prosecutor named Kim Gardner has charged the McCloskeys with uh, with a felonious use of a firearm, even though they didn't fire it, but uh, uh, but some sort of a firearm violation that is a felony carries four years in prison. And the two people who were going to be victimized if they didn't defend themselves are now potentially going to prison. So, Pete, when I, I'll go back to my point. A Biden presidency will defund more police, will force more Americans into self-defense since they can't count on police defense of persons and property, and then they face the possibility of prosecution. So the only thing I think we can do, and you tell me what else there is, is we have to vote like our literal lives depend upon it. Our freedom depends upon it. Our country depends upon it to keep the Democrats out of power. That's all I can say. Well, I agree with that. We have to vote, but we also have to be vocal. It's extremely important to hold our elected leaders to account. Now, we've got a number of Republicans out there who apparently are asleep at the switch. There are a few. All due respect, there are a few that you hear from time to time that are pushing back. Right there in Missouri, we've got one of the best, Josh Hawley, who's not remaining quiet. But what's happening with the whole of the Senate, the whole of the House of Representatives? Well, the whole of House of Representatives, obviously, is controlled by Nancy Pelosi, so they've gone all in with the rioters and the looters. But where's the Senate on that? Why are these people... Look, if they're not going to pass any legislation at least use the many bully pulpits that they have and speak out. You've got a few, Hawley, Cotton, Cruz, uh, will come out and speak, but the rest of them have their head in a hole. It's almost as if they think that the majority of the country is in favor of rioting, looting, stripping of Second Amendment rights. We are paying taxes. I've been saying this, Bob, for a couple of months now. The primary reason we pay taxes, and I think t- I, I, I saw part of Tucker yesterday, I think he said the same thing. The primary reason we pay taxes is so that the government can secure the lives and the property of the citizenry. We can't do it by ourselves. That's why we pay taxes. We don't need a government to be organized for almost any other reason. Maybe the provision of fire and and water services. Uh, But beyond that, 
No, we don't need a government for, for a whole host of things, but they're spending all of our tax dollars on things we've never elected the government to do for us. Yet when it comes to fundamental freedoms, the protection of our lives and property, they're asleep at the, not even asleep at the switch, they're refusing to respond in these liberal cities. It is, it is an atrocity that the city of St. Louis will leave its citizens denuded of protection, let the mobs run free, and then go after the citizens for using their Second Amendment rights, especially after the government had refused to protect them. What are they supposed to do? Ask the obvious question. If the, you're not permitted to use your guns when someone is uh, about to break into your property and has broken into your, 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 uh, your uh, gated reserve there, mm-hmm. and the government has said, oh, we're not, we're not coming, the cops aren't coming, what are you supposed to do at that point? Simply let them destroy your property, maybe even kill, rape, harm you? I mean, this is nuts. It's just well, Mark, Mark McCloskey said yesterday, you know, what people are telling him is that you should just record what happens. You get out your phone, not that's your phone, record Americans it. That's not what do. No, 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 well, no first that's of all, not what Americans do. Agree totally, but then the other reason why that is, well, let's say I get everybody who does, does it and damages my property yeah. on tape, and then I turn it into Kim Gardner, who won't She'll prosecute them. them. She released, yeah. She released. That's right. She released every single looter and rioter and smasher and grabber, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that, that were locked up and that were arrested in the initial riots in St. Louis. What, you know, what good does that do? Now I have documentation of myself being destroyed. Yeah, and that's why I say I think that now's the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country, and that means the Missouri State Legislature, every aspect of government, whether it's local, state, federal, needs to marshal whatever resources it has, employ any mechanisms and laws that it possibly can to address this situation. These things are spreading uh, you've got a number of prosecutors throughout the country. Philadelphia comes to mind immediately. San Francisco's another. Seattle's another. Where this kind of lawlessness is not just being tolerated, but promoted. And it's important to nip it. It's not even in the bud anymore. I mean, it's, it's turning into a raging wildfire. And the, the Republicans, because the Democrats, we know they're not going to do anything. That, that's astonishing. Think about this. One of the two major parties in the United States, the oldest party in the United States, current party in the United States, refuses to do anything, but it's even worse. They're actually promoting this lawlessness and anarchy. So it's up to the Republican Party and each individual law-abiding citizen to do whatever they can, even if it's simply writing a letter. Very often, Bob, when I speak to your listeners at various, uh, well, we haven't been gathering very much lately because of coronavirus, but all the great clubs out there that have uh, honored me by having me speak with them, I always tell them one thing, and that is the, the simplest thing you have to do is just to take a simple five by eight index card and list all of your contact numbers on there and email addresses, and physical addresses, so that if you hear something that troubles you, you don't have to research the stuff, and you can simply email or call those individuals, and it works. I've seen it with my own eyes when I've been in the United States Capitol building, and I've seen representatives react when they get phone calls and emails. It actually works. That little thing, that little effort will do a world of difference, and each one of us has a responsibility as Americans to do that. We've got individuals right now who are in Afghanistan. People have forgotten about them, and they're risking their lives every single day. The least we can do is send an email, a phone call, a letter, whatever it may be, voicing our displeasure with the, frankly, the inaction and ineptitude of our elected leaders. And I'm not simply saying it's Republicans. 
Go after the Democrats also. I know it's not going to... Uh, we, have to we, we have been leaving them alone so they don't feel any pressure because we think they're a lost cause. They may be a lost cause, but spend the extra 15 seconds going after them also. And it's easier for a black guy to speak up like this, but not by much. Let's face it. There are a lot of folks who get canceled, and you know anybody can lose their job and be the subject of public opprobrium. But it, yeah. having said that, it's nonetheless imperative, Bob, for every individual out there. You calibrate your response. I understand some people have families to feed. Some have certain considerations that make it difficult to come out in a public gesture. But to the extent you can push back, this is the time to do it. In, to, in 2020, in July, just 100-some days before the presidential election, if we don't do it now... Remember, you and I, Bob, for several years before the president, the last presidential election said we're at a tipping point, you know, we've got to do it now. It, it's manifestly plain to everyone now that we're at the point where we may lose the entire American experiment. It's that yeah, bad. It is, it they have really taken is. over every institution and they are on the march and they're not taking any prisoners. Peter Kirsten just described himself as a black man. He did so with a capital B. I'm a white man. I, I, I enjoy no capitalization. I'll explain that coming right up on AM 1420. Okay, 1024. Breaking news here. Uh, Mike DeWine has postponed that press briefing today. He was going to be speaking at 2 o'clock about, obviously, the... Um, uh, the new orders that are expected to be announced, uh, he, 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 he uh, hinted on Sunday's Meet the Press with Chuck Todd that he was going to have new orders he'd be announcing for Ohio this week, and it was going to be today. A lot of people believe it's going to be a new mask order, statewide mask order, but maybe even more than that. But at any rate, he's postponed it because of the FBI press conference at 2.30 announcing the arrest of Larry Householder, Ohio's House Speaker, and four others in a $60 million bribery investigation. So uh, that's all I can tell you about that for the time being. Uh, back to Peter Kersenow, though. Peter Kersenow, again, as he mentioned to you prior to uh, the break there, is a black man. And he did so with a capital B. I, again, affirm my whiteness with a lowercase w because I have not yet suffered enough and I have not been oppressed enough to have earned my capital letter. Pete, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but what I'm saying right now is real. The Associated Press, you probably are very familiar with the AP style book, which is widely used and influential in the uh, print media industry. The Associated Press in the new style book is going to start capitalizing the B in the word black. Uh, it will be uppercase. The W in the word white will not be. According to the AP's vice president for standards in a memo sent to staff yesterday, quote, we agree that white people's skin color plays into systematic, systemic rather, inequalities and injustices, and we want our journalism to robustly explore these problems. But capitalizing the term white, as is done by white supremacists, risks subtly conveying legitimacy of uh, to such beliefs. Also, the New York Times said on July 5th in explaining the decision to capitalize the B in black but not the W in white, quote, white doesn't represent a shared culture and history the way black does. So, Pete, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but if I, uh, you know, if I were uh, a betting man, I might suggest to you that uh, the Associated Press is continuing to try to divide Americans along racial lines. Am I reading too much into that? <laughs> 
No, you're not reading too much into it. There's a systemic, using the term systemic, which is the biggest fraud in the world, and um, I'm, I'm going to pen something for NRO about that also. But there's a sustained effort here on the behalf of, on, on the part of almost all of our institutions to paint the United States as somehow racist. They've, they've accepted this narrative, this woke narrative, this sick woke narrative that there is systemic racism in this country. And pause for a moment. Uh, I say this in, in, in one of the Kirstenau reports. Whenever you hear the term systemic racism for somebody, if you have the opportunity, ask them what they mean and give examples. And they will not be able to give examples because there are none. For more than 60 years in this country, we have virtually had all the civil rights legislation that you need. We, we truly have. You don't have to really pass anything else other than in a hortatory fashion. But we've got a host of civil rights legislation, Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, I got Title IX, you've got, you've got 1981, 1983, you've got the Fair Housing Act, the Voting Rights Act, 14th Amendment, 13th Amendment. You've got so much legislation at the state and local levels. You've got literally hundreds of thousands of individuals whose objective is to enforce and police various local, state, and federal civil rights laws. But beyond that, if there's any systemic discrimination, it goes in the opposite direction of what is just conventionally assumed. In other words, we have had for at least 50 years in this country an attempt to discriminate on behalf of blacks and Hispanics on one hand and against whites and Asians on the other. It is palpable. It's demonstrable. You can see this, but no one's allowed to say it. Otherwise, you might even lose your job to say it. We have adopted a narrative that is a lie, and it's harmful and toxic to the very individuals that it purports to assist. We had um, just recently, I don't know if you saw this, but Red Bull did something I've never seen, ever. And I don't think any of your uh, listeners can find any example. Whereas everybody else is adopting this woke rhetoric, including you clued me into this this morning, Bob, Major League Baseball. Everyone is adopting this presumption that somehow there is systemic racism throughout the country, and, and therefore we have to take, quote-unquote, affirmative action to try to rectify it by discriminating even more in another direction. Red Bull fired, the, the, the CEO, the owner of Red Bull, fired his entire North American executive leadership and others when they tried to institute one of these bogus diversity and inclusion programs where they pretty much, you've seen some of these, where they, they presume the racism of whites and somehow whites must, white employees must atone for this and they give privileges and advantages to black employees. What we are doing is highlighting race creating greater friction between the races, not helping black folks at all. And you never help anybody when you perpetuate a lie. This is a lie that has seeped into the fabric of the country so deeply that hardly anybody questions it. But the Pete, data is out there. It's extraordinary. Pete, uh, if you substitute the word students for employees in exactly what you just said, you will see what is coming to the state of Ohio. Thanks yeah. to a vote we talked about on last week's show. Last Tuesday, uh, we were waiting for the vote to be held in the Ohio State Board of Education about curriculum and about white supremacy, white privilege, etc., etc., a precursor to adopting the 1619 Project as Ohio school curriculum. Uh, late Tuesday night, long after you and I finished talking, Pete, it passed. I know you are very active in trying to undo that, uh, unring that bell, if you will, and I'm going to let you talk about that next on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, it's 1035. We continue on AM 1420. The answer just to catch you up. If you did not hear yet, Mike DeWine's press conference today is canceled or at least postponed until tomorrow because the FBI uh, and a prosecuting attorney is holding a press conference to announce the arrest of Speaker Larry Householder along with four others in what they are calling an investigation into a $60 million bribery or trafficking scheme. Uh, so not sure exactly how that whole thing is going to play out, but we'll listen and uh, we'll hold off on until tomorrow for Governor DeWine's new orders in the state of Ohio. All right, joining us once again as we continue now is Peter Kersenow. Peter is uh, black with a capital B, and he is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, last week we talked at length about this. The State Board of Education... Uh, was debating, and they debated for many hours before they finally voted and passed uh, item 20 uh, of, a, of a resolution, actually preambles that became resolutions, um, to essentially declare whiteness to be evil, to whiteness to be taking advantage of blackness, whiteness to be privileged, blackness to be victims, blackness to be uh, subjugated, and, uh, and to essentially have to flip the script on all of that. Uh, it is a very dangerous thing. It is a precursor, as you and I talked about, to adopting the 1619 Project as uh, curriculum to be studied by all Ohio school students. It passed, as I mentioned, late on Tuesday last week, and I know you and some others are moving mountains as much as you can anyway to try to stop the damage before it can really start here. What what else can you tell us? Well, um, just as a a framework for your listeners, many of whom know about the 1619 Project, mainly because of of you, um, but also because I think it's important to emphasize the toxic nature of this. This is something that once it's uh, insinuated itself into the schools, is not going to be gotten out. It is part of a long-term effort on the part of the left to rewrite American history, and that's not an exaggeration, and really make make the United States look to be, at its essence, an evil country that should be reformed from the very roots of it. It is, and without any exaggeration whatsoever, a, a socialist project This is something, and I think I may have said this last week, that if the KGB back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s had their way, they would have paid billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars, to institute this type of curriculum across the land. In fact, they attempted to get something like this in the curricula across the land. Its essence is that, as opposed to 1776 being the true founding of America, 1619, which marks the first mass arrival of slaves into the uh, the country, is actually the appropriate founding of the country. It maintains that the Revolutionary War, in fact, was fought to preserve slavery. It has got everything upside down and intentionally so. And despite the fact that this is, you know, the New York Times is the one that came up with the 1619 Project, at the helm was this person called Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is not a historian, and who, if you go and read the remarks she's made about white people in the United States of America, you can see the genesis of this entire project. But the, the most celebrated historians when it comes to, or most knowledgeable historians when it comes to the American founding and slavery, penned letters to the New York Times, and then one joint letter to the New York Times saying, this is completely false. You know, you've got to change this, and they simply were rebuked. Nicole, Nicole Hannah-Jones, New York Times, didn't want to have anything to do with this, didn't really address it. And now, 
the aim of this at the outset last August was to get this into the curricula throughout the country. A number of jurisdictions have adopted the 1619 project. That is, look, our, we see the type of lunacy that pervades much of the United States right now. It had its genesis within the, the rot at the, in the educational establishments. This is going to put that on steroids. Um, it's a lie. And we shouldn't be teaching lies. I'm not saying everything about it is a lie. I'm not saying nothing along these lines should be studied. But its foundational premise is a horrific lie. Yeah. It, it truly is. It truly and is. It, and it has a political aim to it. No question. As as everything BLM does, and we need to uh, to underscore this, that the 1619 Project started after the BLM movement began as well, which of course pretty much started with Trayvon Martin and then really got amplified uh, with Michael Brown and the ridiculous uh, story there. But the 1619 Project is indeed BLM-influenced, and it's like bringing BLM cu- curriculum into, uh, into the schools. Now, some might listen to that and say, what's wrong with that? And again, we have to identify, saying BLM is not an evil thing. Saying Black Lives Matter is not an evil thing. They do matter, as do every other ethnicity of, of American and human. All, all of their lives matter, and I'm fine with saying that black lives do matter, but Black Lives Matter, the organization, is not about black lives at all. It has nothing to do with them, as we have well documented. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a Marxist organization that is dedicated to essentially tearing down the United States from its foundation, and that, of course, they admit they want to deconstruct the American nuclear family. The nuclear family is, is essentially what is built upon and is um, uh, or rather is is the foundation upon which white privilege has been built uh, and of course they believe in the deconstruction of that so you know what they're trying to do here Peter is bring in Marxist teachings to the uh, to the to the public schools of the state of Ohio and this is indeed already in other states um, and, you know, the Marxist uh, professors, if you will, in the National Education Association are only too eager to sign on to this. They are all a part of the same ideology of far-left socialist Marxist, uh, you know, indoctrination. And the, the idea that this is going to be forced into every classroom in Ohio, Pete, uh, like I said, it's terrifying. And I know that you and others are fighting this. Can you tell us what you're doing to fight it? Well, um, we're only at the incipiency because this was just passed last week. I'm embarrassed to say I I was not aware of this when it was, I was only aware of it about a day before the vote was taken on it. And by that time, I was not able to testify. I know that uh, some individuals, or at least one individual, testified uh, against it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got a host of information with respect to this as a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and I would have rectified the, the false assumptions associated with this project and the vote attendant thereto. Um, there's going to be a recess in August, but the state board convenes again in September, and we hope to address this at that time. But here's the thing. Bob, I couldn't have said what you just said better. I mean, everything you said is, is actually the, uh, the case. This is a danger to Ohio school children, and it's a danger to the entire state of Ohio and the United States of America because this is a poisonous curriculum that seeks to undermine the United States of America. Blacks are simply just the convenient vehicle that Marxists are using to reform the entire country, not reform it. Just reform suggests some type of positive development. Yeah. This is going to result in the United States being even more unrecognizable than it has been in the summer of 2020. Those individuals that you see. Well, it's Seattle, destroying the Constitutional Republic, and, right? Exactly. I mean, it's we're destroying it and having, building it back up into something totally different. 
This is the vision of the Kim Gardeners of the world, of the Antifas of the world, of yes. all the rioters that you see in Chicago, Seattle, and Portland. This is being inculcated into the, the, the children through this curriculum. And if you think that's an exaggeration, take a look at the 1619 Project and what it intends to do. This could be, there, there's nothing that I can conceive of, and I say this with some sobriety. I can't conceive of anything that would be worse to teach to school children, and it's being adopted wholesale throughout many jurisdictions in this country, and now it's on the verge of being adopted in Ohio. To, to give some credit, or at least not to criticize some of these educators or the state board members, um, many of them are just not aware. They, are think, they think that they're doing this as a, a, you know, frankly, a positive gesture. They could not be more mistaken. And I hope that they don't adhere to this out of the sense that, well, I voted for it, I better stick to my guns. If you care about the children of Ohio, of the United States of America, and if you care about the United States of America uh, at its founding and that it's the greatest country in the history of the world, you must do everything you can and move heaven and earth to get rid of this curriculum. It is, it is going to exacerbate tensions between the races, just as we've seen in the last several months. Remember that back in 2008, when you looked at polling data with respect to race relationships, upwards of 70% of Americans and a higher percentage of blacks thought that race relations were good or excellent. That, that fell during the Obama administration, but now it's at the lowest level in 40 years. And you, how can you help it? We are being told lies about the fact that everybody in America is racist, but not only that, the country at its founding was racist in its entire racist regime. This is and, a lie. And, it's and you know, right. it, it gives comfort and aid to certain people who don't like the United States of America. We should not permit it to continue. And, and, and the real sad part about this, Pete, going back to what we talked about in the first segment when I talked about voting, um, is that that will be blamed on Trump. What you just said about race relations being at a great high point, then falling under Obama, but now being at a 40-year low, they, that will be blamed on Donald Trump. This is what happens when you put a white nationalist, white supremacist, blah, 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 racist in the White House. It, uh, it divides the races. And he, of course, has done nothing to exacerbate that and has done everything he can for the black community in terms of employment opportunities, in terms of HBCUs, in terms of the First Step Act, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Donald Trump has done everything more than any president in my memory, uh, you know, has has done for African Americans, for Black people, and yet he will be the blame. He will receive the blame rather for the deterioration of race relations in America. Yeah, Bob, I think that's the effort. And now I've been pessimistic for the last five minutes. Let me go back to my usual state of optimism. All right, do it. I I actually believe that at this point, and I know this is contrary to most conventional wisdom. But I believe Trump wins in a landslide. I think that among other, and there's several reasons for it, but one of the reasons is I believe, to your point, that the media has overplayed its hand to such an astonishing degree that almost everybody discounts them at this point. That goes beyond simply the atmospherics of what we see right now being something that goes in Trump's favor. Nobody wants to defund the police. It's sheer lunacy, and any party that makes that part of their platform or even voices it doesn't have a hope 
and if they if they if the media continues to insulate that party and let them think they have a, a chance, please continue to do so. But at this point, I do think that the media has so overplayed its hands that most people have discounted them, and people who are generally conservative with a small C have concluded that. If the media says X about Trump, then Y is the truth. They have used every piece of ammunition they possibly can have from Russia collusion, which was a complete fraud for three years, to the coronavirus, to impeachment, everything they can think of to go after Trump, all of which has been revealed to be false, if not lies. And I think people are finally saying, look, I'm done with it. And there's almost a knee-jerk reaction to say that if you say Trump is horrible, he must be great. But the bottom line with respect to this, though, is the current anarchy that we see, the, the spitting in the face of America and Americans, I think will drive people to vote for the guy who said America first. Peter, from your mouth to the ears of voters, to the voting fingers uh, of voters, uh, I, I certainly hope that you are right. And, of course, we have no earthly idea if they are going to be heard or not because we don't know if we're going to be allowed to vote or if we are going to have to participate in a fraud that is a mail-in ballot. Uh, but that's something we can discuss and continue. Peter Kirsten, now thank you, my friend. Great work, as always. Uh, be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. You too, Bob. Take care. That's Kirsten now. He's, B, he's black with a capital B. Um, and he has no choice in the matter. The AP says so. Black, when it refers to race, is now going to get a capital B, according to the Associated Press. Whites are going to get a lowercase w. No, that's not going to do anything at all to further racial division in this country, is it? Simply unbelievable. By the way, I should, a little follow-up on that note. This is interesting. CNN, Fox News, and the San Diego Union-Tribune are among news organizations that say they will give white the uppercase treatment as well, noting it was consistent with black, if it's going to be capitalized, along with Asian, Latino, and other ethnic groups, which are capitalized. CBS News says it would capitalize white, although not when referring to white supremacy or nationalists or privilege. So some news organizations are going to buck the AP's standard here and capitalize white since they are capitalizing black. So a little bit of a silver lining to that crowd. Silver will remain lowercase. We'll be right back. You know, the most frustrating thing about everything I was just discussing with Peter Kersenow is that most people are so completely ignorant of and oblivious to the history of racism and slavery in this country. And it is the Democrat Party history. The Democrat Party was responsible for racism for Jim Crow. The Republican Party was created to stop slavery and to bring about equal rights. That's exactly what history shows, but most Americans don't know that. You can learn the truth by the, watching the movie Uncle Tom. Stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, Brandon Tatum, and many more. Hear their stories about how their life was changed when they finally figured out the truth. Go to UncleTom.com, buy it now on pay-per-view, and save 20% off the price with the promo code Cleveland. Promo code Cleveland at UncleTom.com. This is the story of redemption and hope for African-American conservatives who learned the truth. If you want to know the truth, doesn't matter what color you are, if you want to know the truth, log on to UncleTom.com. Let's go to uh, Erica, waiting patiently in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Erica. Go ahead. Hi. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. 
Um, I live in Cuyahoga County, and I refuse to shop here because of the mask mandate and mm-hmm. the fact that council has passed legislation to fine people for something that's not even a law. So if the governor decides in his tyrannical rule that he's going to, in fact, enforce a mandate for the state, what would you suggest um, those of us who are unwilling to comply with that because it is not a law? Um, to do by way of shopping? Are there businesses that we can maybe create a list for that would allow us to be able to know where we can go to shop or should we just do all of our shopping online? Well, you know what it really is, Erica? There, you know, Each business is being um, enf- enforcing this in their own way. Some of them are very strict and some of them are not uh, because Lorain County, my county, is in the same situation as Cuyahoga. Now, we don't have the threat that you mentioned from city council, but still, it is mandated by the state, by the state order, not by law, but by the state order, that uh, we have to wear masks in public in uh, in my county as well, and I just won't do it. I walk into a store, and usually nobody questions me because I walk in like a free man, and I don't sit there and look for permission. I walk in without a mask like a free man. If somebody does ask me or say, hey, we require masks in this store, I tell them I can't wear one. Usually I'll have my blue lanyard and my blue card on me and I'll I'll show them uh this is the I'm exempt from this from this uh order because I have a health condition and my health condition is my business. I can't tell you what it is because HIPAA laws prevent you from even asking me. So I do and then some stores stores will just leave me alone. And then I shop and do my business. They're like they're not going to ask you. They're not going to uh you know try to drill down and find out what your condition is and whether or not you're telling the truth or anything else. Other stores will say, look, no exceptions, no masks. And then I'll leave those stores. And I won't shop there again, even after this whole thing is over, because I'll remember. So my advice, and it's just one person's advice, just go shopping. Do your thing. Let the, Find out which stores are going to be really strict and demand that you change it and not care about, or that you put it on, and not care about your health restrictions um, or, or exemptions or exceptions or whatever. Find out which ones do and find out which ones do not. And keep patronizing the ones that allow you to be mask-free. That's the way I do it. Tom is in uh, Aurora on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Tom, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Hi, Bob. Um, the reason why I'm calling is about the mask, too. And I, up till yesterday, I've done everything that you do. And I I did. I went in the store with a blue tag and um, spotted my belief. But after listening to the fellow that's going to be talking right after you, Mike yesterday, Gallagher, he got me to wear the mask. Let me say real quickly why. Okay. He, 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 he proposes that it's a... It's a political thing, too, right now. And why I don't want us to give the other side of the party a reason to say that we are bad people. So I choose right now to wear the mask whenever I'm working, when I, when I need something. But I still protest. And the way I do it is at least once a day, I'll walk into a building that I know that people need to wear a mask. I'll ask before going in, do I need to wear a mask? And they say no. I turn around and leave. I think it's more important to do that to show it peacefully, and I think that has more of an impact because when they see you leave that building, they know that's a customer that they didn't get because of the practices that they preach. Gotcha. Well, Tom, listen, I appreciate that, and I respect Mike Gallagher's view on it, and I respect yours as well. That's all I'm asking for, right, is the right to choose. I can choose to wear one, or I can choose not to wear one. You can wear one, and I can walk in next to you without one, and we'll both be happy. That's what being free is all about. These mandates are not promoting freedom. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great day.